begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Okay, raise your hand if you remembered your homework from last week. You, it looks like this. You have one right there, Carrie. You did your homework. Carrie did her homework and forgot, right? I'm, I'm encouraging you. So last week's sermon was called Notebook Revival. This week's is called Notebook Revival 2. Guess what next week's is going to be called? Yes, Notebook Revival 3. We have to start taking responsibility for our spiritual education. This is not Doc Madison's comedy hour where you get to come and appreciate a good sermon like Danny said and then go home and forget it. So having said that, there were three main points in last week's sermon. Linda is not allowed to answer because she took notes last week. There were only three points. Vicki is excused too because I reviewed them with her during the week. We went over them once. Who remembers? There were three points. That's why you got to bring a notebook to church. Point number one was come hungry. Feeding of the five. You weren't even here. You're just guessing. Come hungry. We come together to praise God and to look into God's word. You got to come hungry. The second one was eat your fill. There you go. And the third one was Vicki is excused. Let somebody else have it. Well, share the the leftovers. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. You've got to take what you learn out those doors and into the community. That was last week. Now there's more notes for this week. And guess what? As long as you come here, there will be notes. I will try and prepare something for you to take home. Now, if you need a moment, you could actually write a little note in about the children's sermon and the five-fingered prayer so you don't forget what they are. I don't know, draw a trace of your hand in your notebook and just label them however you want to do it. So I was reading a book called Reading the Bible with Rabbi Jesus. And it is written by a Hebrew scholar who said we need to look more at the Hebrew side of Jesus' life sometimes than what we interpret as an Anglo-Western view. Because Jesus did not live in an English garden like the flannel graphs when I was a kid. Remember those pictures they put up and there'd be roses and daisies and, and the nice iconic hills with the shepherds and the white sheep? I've been to Israel. It doesn't look like that at all. I've been to the garden tomb and it's a beautiful garden, but it doesn't look like we think it does. And we often think of Jesus as belonging to us rather than to the culture from which he was raised. Then she encouraged the reader, and that would be me in this case, to go back and look at the pronouns in Scripture. Now, what does that mean? In English, we have the pronoun you. It can mean first person singular, right? You need to bring a notebook to church. Or it can mean, oh, I'm sorry, I have to point at one person. Did you bring a notebook? You need to bring a notebook to church. Or it can mean second person plural. You need to bring a notebook. To, you see where we're going? 
And when the translators go from Greek and Hebrew to English, there's no real clear bridge for that. We don't know if they're saying you or you. Now, the author also said she wished that people from the South would translate the Bible because you have you and you have y'all. She said that would make it so much easier. So then, what do you do when you're challenged to go back and look at the pronouns? You pick one of your favorite spots in the Bible and you go right to the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you want to check my translation ability, you are welcome so to do. There's a great app you can get on your phone or it's a website called Bible Hub. Click on the one that says interlinear and it has the English and the Greek on top of each other and then down underneath in little tiny print, it will give you the, um, the parsing, first person, second person, verb, noun, whatever. So Jesus, and I want you to hear this, not just once, but four times in this passage, he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, and he goes through all of the things you shouldn't do, don't repeat things over and over. Don't try to be noticed by the people around you. And he finally gets down to the, the nitty-gritty. This is what your outline of prayer should look like. He's commanded the disciples to pray four times. Now, we're Baptists. We believe that there are two sacraments, two things that Jesus commanded. One is communion, and the other is baptism. The people across the street believe that Jesus commanded them to do seven things. Now, I want you to know that we do the seven things, but we call the other five ordinances because we've only got the two sacraments. Baptism is a sacrament. Communion is a sacrament. Uh, joining the church, confirmation is a sacrament across the street. Um, weddings, funerals, Unction, that's a great word. That's praying for the sick. And the one I always forget, <laughs> ordination. Right? Those are the seven. Prayer should be in that list. He said four times, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, and yet it doesn't make the list. And we don't really talk about prayer as a church. In fact, if I were going to flippantly name this sermon, other than Notebook Revival 2, I would name it, Let's Get Rid of the Designated Prayer. Well, why do we have a designated hitter? I made a switch there. Because everybody knows that pitchers can't hit. Right? The bases are loaded, and Aaron Nola, who is pitching a gem, gets up to hit, and the entire crowd goes, ugh. Right? And the other league has a designated hitter. The pitcher in the other league never has to hit. They've got a guy who just goes up there and hits for him. Well, then you might say, well, Madison, do you remember Cliff Lee? Of course I remember Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee was like the only pitcher that consistently hit. I love Cliff Lee. A couple of times we saw him hit a home run to save his own game. But we know that most pitchers can't bat. We also know that if we ask somebody to pray, could I have someone to pray, nobody will establish eye contact with the person who asked. We all begin to study the tops of our shoes. Because if you establish eye contact, 
They're going to pick you. I worked at a camp once where they wanted the kids to say grace. And they would say, with a microphone, who's going to pray for us? And then they held breakfast, lunch, and dinner hostage until one of the teenagers got up to pray. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We're not supposed to have a designated prayer. We should all be prayers. Does that make sense? Okay, you're with me so far. Now, I want you to know that there are two kinds of prayer in the Lord's Prayer, and I will get to the meat of the Lord's Prayer in a moment. One is public. That's when everybody is to pray. And one is private. That's when you pray on your own. Back to the five-finger prayer. Public prayer is when we come together as a community of faith to pray for... Now, who wrote down the prayer requests in the back of their notebook? Remember I told you last week that I preached a sermon on faith and all the kids thought that I had preached a sermon on prayer? All I did was talk about how to set up your notebook. What's the date somebody requested the prayer? Who requested it? Because I'm going to chase you down. Like, uh, like Blinny did today with Rita. He said, okay, we've been praying for this family for a while. What's the word? We don't pray expectantly. We just toss it up and, and hope for the best. So you've got the date, the prayer, the actual request, and then the date it was answered. Now, just the prayers we were praying for today, there were three prayers answered. Doc got back from one week of camp, and I got the official numbers. 24 kids committed to live for Christ 24-7, and 13 kids said they felt called into full-time Christian work. 37 lives were changed at camp. That's a praise. You get to write it in there. And when you're praying, what do you get to do? You get to thank God because our God answers prayer. But can he answer prayer if we're not actually praying? That's the question for today. Are we praying? So corporate prayer is when we come together and pray as a community and all of our voices, all of our hearts, all of our spirits are aimed at one direction, God, because we know that God sends his blessings down to us. The other prayer is private prayer. You're allowed to talk to God personally on your behalf. That's why you have the pinky, pink, that little finger on the end, on, on your, your five-fingered prayer. You're allowed to talk to your heavenly father about the things that concern you, the things that you might want. I mean, I might have told you this before. Remember when Power Rangers came out and everybody wanted the little Power Rangers robot? I was the chaplain of a shopping mall. I knew all the stores in the mall and there were no robots to be found. So my middle son looks at me and he goes, well, where do they make these robots? I said, well, they make them in Japan. He says, well, why don't you fly to Japan and get me one of these robots? I said, son, I love you, but I'm not going to pay $1,800 for a ticket to Japan to buy a $50 robot. Ain't happening. And he was like, oh, okay. Why? Because we have a relationship, and he can ask me anything he wants. And I, as his loving, caring father, can say yes maybe, or not in a million years. 
I don't usually say no, but I often say not in a million years. A million years and one, maybe I'll go to Japan and get you the robot. The, the end of that story is our in-laws who lived in Harrisburg, they weren't putting Power Rangers on their TV. None of the kids out there knew what Power Rangers were. And there were actually piles of these robots in their local store. And I became the local Power Rangers robot distributor. I'd call up my mother-in-law and say, send me a robot. And she'd put it in the mail. And we'd send her the money. And we, we got all the kids in our family that crazy robot. Why? Because we, as parents, want what's best for our kids. Our Heavenly Father wants what's best for us. So let's look at the pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, corporate, and really I would prefer that we translated it in heaven your home. That's the feeling that it has. God lives in heaven. Our Father, second person plural, and I want you to hear that. Our, belonging to all of us. Hallowed be your second person plural name. Now, why would Jesus call God plural? Because God's three in one. You've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They haven't even discussed the theology of the Trinity, but it's already in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your second person plural. There is more than one person in the Godhead, your name. Now, this is poetry that you can't hear because... We're not doing the Greek, but he says, come the kingdom of you, be done the will of you. They go together. It's a, it's a couplet. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? What, what is our purpose? To bring people to Jesus and to build the kingdom. Why? Because it's the will of our heavenly father. Now, if you have children and you've asked them to do a chore, Take out the trash, empty the dishwasher, make their bed, sort their laundry. Are you always successful in getting that? No, we're not. Guess what? Our Heavenly Father is not always successful in getting that from us either. There's seven ordinances, or seven sacraments. I added one, prayer. And he's like, ugh. He's going to send us all to bed without our supper. Right? The will of him needs to be done so that the kingdom can be built. Uh, they often say this about Presbyterians. They call them the frozen chosen. But I believe that the church universal is becoming the frozen chosen. We come, we have a good show, and we go home. And we're not taking it with us. Then it says, now we say, I always get this back to Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is what it says in our Bible. What it says in the Greek is, as in heaven, also on earth. If you lived in God's house and God said, do thus and so, would you do it? If God, with his big booming God voice, with the, 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 the cherubim and seraphim on either side and his, his Shekinah glory filling the temple and he says, you must do this. You say, well, I'll get to it after I finish my shows. No. And that's the, the, the relationship that Jesus is building. God's will is already done in heaven. Now it has to be done in earth. 
We sort of, we soften that. As, in hev- as on earth, also in heaven. No, it's the other way around. God said it. It has to be done. We have to do it. Now, if you're taking notes, draw a line, because that's the end of the first part of the public prayer. That's the end of the second person plural uh, nouns. Now's where we get the private prayer. Do you have something in your heart that nobody else knows that you want to have happen or need to have happen or a relationship that needs to be healed, a work situation? That's a private prayer. Not everybody needs to know all your stuff. But God wants to know all your stuff. In fact, I want you to know that he already knows it before you pray it. He's just waiting for you to say, oh, would you please, Heavenly Father, help your child. So if we were going to translate it, it would say, my daily bread, grant me today. This is personal. This is what I need, Heavenly Father. Provide it for me. And forgive me my sins, my debts, my trespasses, as I forgive others. Now you're saying, well, Madison, how come we've never heard this before? People have been praying the Lord's Prayer for 2,000 years. Well, do you remember your English teacher used to write with her red pen if your pronouns didn't match? Just nod like this, yes, right? And you get a little note. Now, your pronouns don't match. So when they were doing it as a prayer, since it started out with that corporate prayer, our Father who art in heaven, then we had to get to forgive. Well, it says me, but the pronouns don't match. So the translators said, forgive us. So yes, we are not going to change the corporate Lord's Prayer that we say at the end of our prayer time. But I want you to know that Jesus was giving you permission to open your heart and tell your Heavenly Father everything. The things you want, the things you need, the things you've done wrong. And because he listens, he wants you to be forgiving to the people around you. Now, I love this one. And do not lead me into temptation. I want you to know that our Heavenly Father does not lead you into temptation. I love the sign in the church that said, do not lead us into temptation. We could find it on our own. That would be one of the truest things I've ever seen on a church sign. But sometimes it feels like we're being led into temptation because God has said, thou shalt not. Right? God drew a line, and he said, thou shalt not. Very similar to a line he drew in a certain garden. You can eat off any tree in the garden, but thou shalt not cross this line and eat from that tree. And we're human beings. And as soon as somebody tells us what we're not allowed to do, we want to do it. Vicky and I were visiting... Uh, Namkeeg, a, a cottage in the Berkshires, built in the 1880s. It only has 44 rooms and acres of gardens and a Steinway quarter grand, a six-foot Steinway. And I went over and I looked at that Steinway, and it did not have a sign. 
Now, you know what the sign would say, do not touch the piano. Now, I did not want to get thrown out of the cottage because Vicky hadn't seen all the gardens yet. So I went to the little docent who was answering questions and I said, can I play your piano? There's no sign. And she stopped and she said, well, no. And I said, but there's no sign. And she said, do you know how to play the piano? I said, well, I'm a music teacher. Oh, she said, well, then please play the piano. So I sat down and I played the piano, a short little piece that I had written. Just when people ask you to play the piano, I wrote it. It fits my fingers well. I played it. She said, oh, I got goosebumps, she said. You can just keep playing. Well, I wasn't going to sit there and play the piano all day. Vicky had gardens to see, right? But if there's a sign that says, don't touch it, we as human beings are like, ah, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> right? So God draws the line. He says, don't cross this line. It's dangerous for you in a sinful way, in a health-wise way, in a social, spiritual way. And as soon as he draws the line... We want to cross it. God does not lead us into temptation, but he does draw clear boundaries for us in which to live. And then Jesus says, if you should cross that boundary, deliver me from evil. Now, if you are taking notes, draw a line, because we're done with the private, and we're going back to the public. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So what does this mean for us? Well, I believe that we need to, as a church, change the way we do our corporate prayer. Here's what I recommend. Please write your prayer request on the prayer list. Lenny comes up and he goes over the prayer list quickly <laughs> so that we all have an opportunity to write them on our prayer list. And then, Glenny is no longer responsible to weave together what we call in the business an extemporaneous prayer. Glenny says this, let's all turn our hearts in prayer to our Heavenly Father. And he says, let's pray for Angel Garrett. And for the next 20 seconds, everybody in the church prays for Angel Garrett. We're not writing checks for the offering. We're not writing our shopping list. We're not taking a quick cat nap. And I hope he prays a long time. I stayed up late last night watching SNL or the Olympics. And I encourage the person who is no longer the designated prayer to have a stopwatch and to give about 20 seconds of time. Now, for really brave, he'll say, pray with somebody. So I could run down and sit with Vicky, and we could pray together for that person. Or Wiki and Dee, or you could pray on your own or with another person. And then, when prayer is over, we can each go home to the person that we requested for and say, I prayed for you. In fact, I didn't just pray for you. My entire church prayed for you. And then you bring the answers back. 
And we write them in our book. And we could say, we have 5, 10, 20, 50 answers to prayer this year. What an energy, what a spiritual energy that would give our church. Because it says on our website, can we pray for you? But are we praying or is the designated prayer praying? Let me finish with this quick story. Because I am way over my 22 minutes. And I know you don't put that on me. I put that on myself. A church in the mountains of West Virginia had the opportunity to build a new church building. And they were gifted land at the bottom of a mountain. They met with the architects and they met with the builders and the contractors and they built their dream church. And they announced that their opening date was going to be a week from Sunday. And on Friday, the inspector came through for the final inspection and this new wonderful building failed because there wasn't enough parking. The pastor said, you know what? God gifted us the money to build this church. God gifted us with all the people to work to build this church. We are having a, an emergency prayer meeting tonight. We're going to expect great things from God. And the church was about 150 people and 25 of them showed up for the prayer meeting. And they spent an hour in prayer asking that God would complete the miracle of their church. They had a building. They had a congregation. They just needed parking. The pastor was in his office on Monday morning doing what many pastors do. <laughs> regretting what happened on Sunday. Did I do the right thing? Was the, like, what if, what if it doesn't happen and all of my people realize that prayer sometimes doesn't get answered the way you want and there was a knock at the door and it was a builder. He said, Pastor, I noticed that you've got all of this land behind your church. We'd like to buy the dirt. He said, what? He said, we need fill dirt. This will be perfect. He said, I will pay you for the dirt that we haul away, and because we don't want it to erode, we will pave the area that we take away. And by the end of the week, they had enough room for parking. Joyce Meyer says that we need to pray impossible prayers. Corey Tamboom says, is prayer your steering wheel or your life preserver? Are you spending every day in prayer so that we can become the church that we say we are? We say we are a praying church. We need to spend that time in prayer. I believe that revival is coming. I believe that revival is coming here. I believe revival is coming with our teens. I told you that last week. They have less fear and more love than we do. That's why I'm running off after church today to go share the good news with teenagers in the Poconos. Now, yes, I will complain a couple times this week that they shouldn't have 61-year-old speakers at teen camp while I'm making balloon animals and running up and down mountains with the teens. But I believe that God is doing great things. But he's our Heavenly Father, and he's waiting for us to participate and he's waiting for us to ask. And he's waiting for us to get rid of 
the designated prayer. Amen.